0: This is Project LEAP, the podcast for doers. Stream to all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as online at www.project-leap.com.au and via all the usual socials. Today, we take you on a journey to meet the innovators and entrepreneurs of regional, rural and remote Australia. Your presenters, Meredith Pappas and Tara Jacobson-Nethan, are both seasoned regional entrepreneurs and doers in their own right. Now, sit back as Meredith and Tara help tell these fascinating stories of innovation and inspiration, all from the people who have found beyond the big city limits, making great things happen right across the farthest reaches of Australia. These are the people who have taken the leap and now here's meredith and tara
1: hello everyone and welcome to project leap which if you follow us on social media uh, you would know this is the podcast for doers first of all before we go any further my name is meredith pappas and i would like to say a very big day to my co-presenter tara
2: nevin how you going tara Hi, Meredith. Very good. Very excited about our guest today. I think I say that every time, though. Yeah, you do. But that's okay because there's a lot to be excited about. That's precisely it. That's why I get
1: to the end of each show and say, oh, this is going to be your favourite. But anyway, we, we digress. So... Project Leap is a collaboration between Tara and myself. We're both regionally based uh, entrepreneurs and innovators ourselves. Well, we like to think so, right, Tara? <laughs> and um, I'm based in Mackay in Queensland, and Tara is based on the Sunshine Coast. Now, we'd like to first and foremost thank our partners and sponsors in this venture. Without them, this would not have got off the ground. So, thank you to 1000 Invisible Threads, Amanda Powell Digital, iScribe Consulting. Kaizen Media and Purple Wax. So thank you very much to our wonderful partners. Now, today, our guest is someone who I've known for quite a few years. Uh, not that long, but long enough, I think. (laughs) Um, Daryl Branthwaite is one of the icons of one of my favorite communities, the Gladstone community, um, or the, the Southern Great Barrier Reef or, or, Call it what you will, the Port Curtis region. Glad There's Rock. so many Glad Rock, Happy Rock, so Happy many Rock. names for Gladstone. And look, um, Gladstone, I guess, has been in the crosshairs of the nation's attention lately just based on its um, resilience and the battle it's had trying to get through those things we call the tough times. Uh, a few years ago, it was booming with the construction of massive LNG facilities. Uh, it's obviously the ups upstream no the downstream actually it's the downstream part of the LNG process and it's from Gladstone that uh, there are four major proponents that export liquefied natural gas which is extracted from various um, areas in the the Surratt Basin and the Scenic Rim um, and brought to Gladstone and then exported exported to the world. So first of all welcome Daryl. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, welcome, ladies. <laughs> that was that was Thanks. pretty long-winded. <laughs> it but was
4: impressive.
3: Right? How but was? I
4: was. You know what it's like.
3: Yeah. No, you did. Welcome, ladies, and, and thank you. Thank you for inviting me along.
4: Oh no, thank you, and welcome. We should be saying welcome to you. That's Dale. all right. Thank you. It's the first time I've done um, something like this. <laughs> oh well we'll be we'll be gentle we'll be thanks calm. thank you
3: thank you, thank you.
4: <laughs> um look you you're now the head of the what's known as the gapdl anyone who knows gladstone knows that it's a town of acronyms and we love it for it um but yeah the, the gladstone area
3: promotion and development limited
4: that's it good one
3: don't call it GAPDL.
4: <laughs> GAPDL. oh no we couldn't but otherwise that.
3: we're known, we're known as, as the gladstone region yeah.
4: yes of course and it's a good region too. So but that's not that's not the uh the sum of your story is it. You were 22 years at the Banarabee Roadhouse which anyone who has driven the road from well anywhere really anywhere between Brisbane and Cairns and passed through Gladstone region at some point would know the Banarabee Roadhouse. You made it into you and Jen made it into quite a oh, an icon did. didn't you? Quite a
3: Started off as a, as a golden fleece, believe it or not. Back Did it really? 1988. Yeah. And we had 34 staff. And then I remember seeing the expo come along and it was like Easter every weekend. So oh, and wow. I never made any money.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I want
3: that time over well, again. That's what you're telling
4: the tax man, right? So
3: <laughs> oh, that's true. I was, I was a brash 28-year-old. How's that?
4: <laughs> I was going to say, you must have been very, very young.
3: I was. Yeah, and <laughs> pretty brash, apparently, so Keldex called me one day at one stage.
4: Oh, but well, yeah. there you go. Hmm. Take it as a compliment. Now, um, we have to point uh, we have to point one particular part of your character out. And, and look, no one holds this against, Daryl, but you are a New Zealander.
3: I am from the deep south, Invergiggle, Invercargill. <laughs> Believe it or not, you know
2: what? I've been there once and had oysters on that beach where the um, got, where that guy wrote the motorbike really oh, really
3: big Beach, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, that was the fastest Indian, right? Fastest Indian and I had oysters on that beach Bert, and it Bert was probably, Monroe. Yeah, and, the, and that was probably the only day the weather was decent was having when I had oysters on oh, the
3: beach. Mean, there are a few days where it's quite nice there.
2: Really? Oh look at that. I think
3: yeah. you
4: hurt his feelings. <laughs> oh
3: well that's the reason why I live here. The horizontal rain got to me.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. it is pretty cold down there, isn't it?
3: Oh, and the smell of sheep shit too. <laughs> oh, and
4: the <laughs> That's no good. No good, no dear. Yeah. So, really. um, and but now you're promoting the good old Gladstone region, which wow. you call home. Yeah. And in between times, though, and this is something we really want to focus on a little bit into the conversation is. Um, the Boyne Tannum hookup. Now, mm. for the uninitiated, that could sound like a whole lot of fun. That's got nothing to do with fishing.
3: <laughs> no, that's true. That's a, as you've as you've played a role before in a newspaper <laughs> editor, yeah, put a headline up. <laughs> but yes. anyway, we won't go there. But um, it was like the Northern Northern Territory news sort of headline.
4: <laughs> oh, but it was so much fun.
3: Yeah, yeah. But oh, yeah, the, the Boyne Tannum hookup. Yeah, that was that was an amazing thing, amazing thing to be part of too, and 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 create. So, and, you know, it was back in the 90s. I don't know. Do you want me to talk about that?
2: Well, actually, I was asking, I, want, I wanted to ask you a question about that. So what was your motivation for getting it started, Daryl?
3: Um, well, I was on the, I was on the Boyne Town in Banarabi Chamber of Commerce, and I ended up being becoming president there um, for, for a while. And, and I'd put a lot of these ideas forward saying, hey, we need to promote our town. Instead of putting signs up, we need to give people a reason to come here. We need to create some community pride. And, and being at Benarrabee, especially on Queen's birthday weekend, because it was show day Friday and Queen's birthday Monday, so there was just this mass exodus of, of people leaving, uh, leaving Gladstone and heading further south. And from a Chamber of Commerce point of view, it was, it was a really no-brainer, but I had all these people around me that, Really didn't. Want, they didn't have the energy for that. So they've been established in business a long time, and it wasn't until another couple of people come along, the likes of Zach Sim and Ned Beaumont and 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 and, and a couple of others, that actually brought it up. And I said, "Oh, look, someone else is thinking the same lines as me." So we formed this. We formed this group and, uh, borrowed money out of the Chamber of Commerce, believe it or not, for 12 months and created our first event called the Boyntonham Hookup at Bray Park. And it was on Queen's birthday weekend. So it fell in line with the grey nomad season. It fell in line with a long weekend where the region lost a lot of, a lot of holiday makers. So we needed to keep people in the region. There was another event actually happening on that same weekend, which was the old station fly in, but Fishman didn't go to that. So, and it was, it's, it's still, Currently on 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 the go too, but um, look, yeah, it was it was one of those things where we were quite proud of our prize pool at the time was um, was about twenty five thousand dollars, including a stessel boat, and we, were, we and we got eight hundred eight hundred people turning up, so and it was a big fair. So was that the first event eight hundred people turning up
2: on that first event?
3: Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So and and I took over. I took over the the um, I suppose the the not the marketing I suppose but the communication side of the event um in China we did it on the back of a of a semi-trailer with um um Grant Cooper as because uh, Ford was Fort CD back then local radio station back in 95 so it took a couple of years to sort of come to fruition but our first one was in 95 and we had 800 entrants and we did all sorts of things that were wrong but as, as events go along they actually evolve and you can actually see where the problems are and you, you alter alter um, I suppose rules and terms and conditions of entry accordingly and, and the way you run things too. But the next year was um, was a thousand people and the year after that was uh, 1500. And then come to the year 2000, we actually got 2000 entries. So, and we actually created our own. One of the projects was, we was create a boat that was actually the, the, the raw product was, was refined and everything at QAL. Then it was. Then the alumina was sent across to Boyne smelters, so there was, it was got smelted and, and got, and then it had to go to Brisbane. We followed those these, these ingots all the way through to Brisbane. They got extruded, then sent back up and plate. And we actually had a local boat builder build our own boat that was designed and built and and just created from basically orange bauxite. So to speak. So it was, and it was a pretty good story, and yeah, it was there was a lot of a lot of interest in it, and, a lot, and it's just evolved from there, and got to the point now where the well, at one stage there there was four thousand entrants in the event, and the council jumped up and down and says, you know, if you guys are, this is a break park, if you guys are going to keep on growing this event, you're going to have to find another venue. I said, excuse me, do you think the Sydney City Council are going to say no, go away with your Olympics? I said, you guys should be helping us. So. And from there, we actually had council engagement. And even though they weren't sponsors, they were facilitators in the way that the park was designed and, and the things that they put in place. So in the background, it was it was an amazing transition of the event. So from our perspective, we had to keep control of the event and to keep control of the numbers, both from a, a social point of view and a, and, a, and a community point of view, because you've got to think that you might be entered in the event, but you might bring two other people with you. So consequently, every entrant, you multiply it by three. So we'd have 4,000 engines. We would have 10,000 people turn up to this park every night for the three days of fishing event. It was just amazing to watch, you know. And, it, and of course, I ended up hosting the thing because we, <laughs> our our, our compere supposedly, that was supposed to come out, didn't turn up. And they went, what are you going to do? And I said, oh, I'll give it a burst. So I hosted it from basically year two, I think, um, right through to about year 13 when I And I eventually called it quits and said, I need my life back.
4: Well, I, get, I think we just need to qualify that too in, in the fact that we'd mentioned Grant Cooper's name as, you, as the year one commentator. He wasn't the guy who let us down. So just, no. you know,
3: <laughs> oh, no, no. just so
4: that we know that.
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, working. no, Coop, Coops is an absolute champion, mate. So, yeah. um, so
4: no, nah, he's brilliant. Yeah. So um, so I think, wasn't it, because we launched, a uh, you know, a, a special edition of the paper. The paper was behind it. Every industry in town was behind it. it every business in town. Too. Yeah, that, well, we did. we. Oh, we ha <laughs> I'm not there anymore. Um, mm. No, the Observer had the naming rights to it, you're That's right. right. And, um, but it, it was lo- the whole community got behind it. That's such a special thing.
3: Yeah, it is such a special thing because there's one thing about fishing is that it does spread the, the economic love right across the whole region from accommodation to fuel to bait to booze to restaurants to shopping because we have these fishing widows out there. The boys go fishing. There's more ladies involving themselves with that now. But back in the day, the boys went fishing and the girls went shopping. So, um, you know, the accommodation, there was a fuel, there's bait, ice, and it spread right across the whole region. But it was also fishing is a hero experience. It's part of our makeup in this region, the Southern Great Barrier Reef. And it's part of the reason why a lot of people come to Gladstone, because you've got employment, you've got a lifestyle, you've got a great place for kids to be be brought up. So, utilising all of that and actually making it attractive for passers-by, being the grey nomads, to call in and frequent our caravan parks. But then people started bringing boats and everything. They started inviting their mates up from Brisbane. Why don't you come up and for the weekend to the hookup? So there was all this vernacular about the hookup and they were using second nature, which was, which was really pleasing to see from, and I haven't got any marketing degrees by any means, but, but when people start using the hookup as a benchmark, it's just quite flattering, you know. <laughs> Well, it is, it is, yeah, you know. Sure it and
4: should be, too.
3: You've got so many people. And the other things, well, we had one stage where we were throwing dollars dollars in a prize pool. How ridiculous mm. is that?
4: It's not ridiculous. It's
2: fabulous, isn't it?
3: Ten boats. Mm. <laughs> so- it's fun, though.
2: So you you started it when the town wasn't obviously particularly strong. You came through the rise and then obviously the town has gone plummeting downwards from an economic perspective. How is the uh, hook-up faring now from a prize perspective and an engagement perspective? Is it something that the community still hangs on to in terms of actually you know, part of their identity and and that
3: sort of thing. Look, I think it's an it be, it's an iconic event in the region now. Like like we've got the Brisbane to Glaston yacht race, which is seventy years old this year. You know, and the the Sydney to Hobart's only seventy three. So it's seventy years old and. And we've got the, the, the Harbour Festival, which is iconic, you know, it adds to making sure that, that Glaston owns Easter, so to speak, you know, and we're, and we're helping develop that side of things as well and amplify those. But with the hookup, it's it's one of those things where um, I think succession planning, it gets to a point where it wasn't valued or wasn't looked at and the new committees taken it on and now they've taken it, to a different, not a different direction, but they're operating a little more, I suppose, with it now. You know, they've involved youth councils and, and involved the community groups a lot more, so they actually farm the, the chores out that, that we used to do as a, commu- as a as a committee. So now the committee manages the event rather than... Rather, you know, it's like working on your business and in your business. You know, There's, they, they work on the business, not in the business as such.
4: So, Daryl, if we can if we can move for a second to to that innovation play and, um, you know, as I've said before, necessity is the mother of invention, but we're going to say the mother of innovation in this context for obvious reasons. But Gladstone has been built on those good times and then the not so good times. And the community resilience is really quite strong. So fast forward to present day Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that you know, the GAPDL uh, in cooperation, I believe, with the council and, and the Ports Corporation, et cetera, have brought cruise ships into Gladstone. Now, That's right. don't take this the wrong way. We love mm-hmm. Gladstone. You know we do.
3: But so why would but that stop When being? you
4: think, <laughs> yeah, when you think cruise ship um, destinations, you kind of don't think Gladstone. So how did you pull that one off?
3: You don't, you know. And, and, and to be honest, what we did was we created... Um, to, to, to be honest, they they, they they were coming here with one ship, okay, and mm. and and the, to get to that point, it's, it wasn't just in my time, okay. To get to that one point was a three-year process. So, and and when we said, right, we've got to have something to greet these people," so we had this beautiful East Shores um, here in here in Glaston, and it, and it fronts right on it. It's right beside the Auckland birth number one, which was where the – and and the people had to walk out between uh, a pile of calcite, which is what makes your toothpaste white and the glossiness on your magazines, but that and a big pile of bark or wood chip. So it it was an an operational port. But so to get them through there, they got greeted by this, we we call Feast on East. So what we did was we actually um, um, had a practice run. Um, probably three three months before um, the first cruise, well, the cruise ship was due in, and um, we employed a person to to do some aerial photography with a drone, and and we sent that off to Carnival, and Carnival says, "Oh, we don't like this at all," and we thought, we love it. <laughs> So we're, we're actually sending you another ship, and before the first one, and plus we're sending you another five, and, <gasps> next year, and next year we've got twelve coming. It was just bang, 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 bang like that, and we go whoa, 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 whoa. We just want to walk before we can run, <laughs> yeah. so we really had to get this thing going. But they started marketing it from Sydney to the Southern Great Barrier because we become this. Because in business, it's it's a it's a partner or perish type of thing, especially within the tourism industry. So we partner with our neighbours and we built a really strong foundation with with um, the likes of Capricorn Enterprise and Rocky and out through to Springshore and also with Bundaberg and North Burnett to the south of us. And we formed this Southern Great Barrier Reef Alliance. Now, it had been formed for a number of years, but there never been watertight you know it had never been a trustworthy relationship so and, and of course I came on the scene a couple of years ago and I'm mostly see people at face value. if you say you're going to do something you're going to do it and and right until you cross me or you do something wrong then I've still got the same opinion so um so we started promoting that and and then these guys took that on and because we had no product at all going to the southern great barrier reef apart from the the ferry going out to uh, Heron Island which is an international island and it's probably the pinnacle or the, or the number one reason why people would come to the southern great barrier reef you know Lady Elliot and 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 uh, Lady Musgrave are, are right in there as well but Heron Island is is marketed on a, on a worldwide basis but they don't allow day trippers there, so we had to bring in in this partnership between our our neighbours. We started using the assets that our neighbours have got, and that really built up this relationship, so um, that we could provide a day trip to the Southern Great Prairie Reef. And um, they were allowed to go to Wilson Island. And if anybody knows where Wilson Island is, it's about to be turned into a into a luxury a luxury experience out there for twelve people again. But They were allowed to go out there because it wasn't being used and it is just a drop in the ocean but it is the most stunning place you could ever possibly imagine. And these guys were absolutely blown away. So, but it was just, you know, because we, we had people on the ship as well. Um, Karen Sweeney, who was the tourism manager here at the time, she went on the ship and there was a few locals went on there. So I made up this video so that she when she gave this presentation to the 600 people on the ship, that it was playing behind. And it wasn't just about the industry because the industry in itself doesn't really attract people. But there is a fascination with industry, but it's all about it's all about the Disneyland now. Disneyland is, is the is the Southern Great Barrier Reef. We're the Anaheim part of it. We're the ones that facilitate getting out there. So, um, and it's about having those sort of things, but yeah, it, it was, it was quite fascinating right up until when an, another local boat went to the bottom and our, and our, and our chap that was doing our, um, our trip out to the reef, who was from Bundaberg says, sorry, Daz, I'm too busy. I've got to go home. So we, and ever since then we've struggled to get that to get that back on there. So Glaston in itself had everything for a ship. So it had a berth it had a berth in close proximity to the to the town centre so they could just walk. But we offered all these other things. Plus it you know, they could fuel here, it was nice and it was reasonably priced. So our role was to offer the 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 cruise passenger experience to the you know, so to a level where they were quite happy. And Initially, it was just all blown away, but uh, you know, late because we've struggled with this day trip to the reef, believe it or not, out of this place. It's yeah, but we're gradually getting it back together again. And um, yeah, our little trial run is apparently over. So we've got our first big ship coming in in June. And we've got massive port developments here for a cruise ship passenger and a cruise ship um, is barely spending $30-odd million here, believe it or not, and we've done such a good job. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, it's all a teamwork. Yeah. It's all about Council. It's all about Tourism Events Queensland because they're going on in the background and it's all about the partnership with the Glass and Ports Corporation because it's just and, – and the gas side of things. The people that are funding all this are so important in that as well.
2: So talking about all these great businesses is wonderful and, and you know, I've, you absolutely need support to come into these regions. But, you know, I – you know, we do a lot of work in the regional entrepreneur space and, you know, some amazing ventures come out of regional areas and often are just an idea. Recent statistics say 48% of new ventures are actually coming out of regions. So, you know, obviously it seems obvious, but in from your perspective and your role within the GAPDL, which has an economic development um, sort of role as well. What do you think uh, is the true value for some of these kind of real greenfield field startup entrepreneurs that, you know, their husbands might be living or, or, or wives could be living in Gladstone and are looking for some additional income. They've got a great idea. They want to launch it. You know, how are these kind of big initiatives like Hookup and PO and uh the Gladstone Harbour Festival? Giving value, giving, uh, building economic sustainability for these guys.
3: Well, we we actually create a we have a mentoring arm uh, um, as well, and and it's done through the Tourism Development Network. So it's the TDDI we call it, but it's um. Um, tourism development infrastructure fund. It's a federal fund side of things and we partner up with them and it's matched funds, of course. Um, but we do a lot of trade mentoring. So, um, the, the last couple of years was probably spent over a hundred grand on, on doing courses of such and it's one-on-one mentoring. So it's getting people to a level where they can, they can, well, from a tourism perspective, they can be booked online or or their website has got the has got the right connectivity across all the platforms and the right and the right um channel managers and so forth. But um from a from an entrepreneurial side of things, Glaston's actually quite difficult now because mainly because of two reasons. People like the security of working in an industry. There's nothing better than earning uh two or three thousand dollars a week every week and not having to worry about a job and not having to worry about your future, which is really cool. Right up until there's a retrenchment and then mm-hmm. people stop spending money. And mm-hmm. the, the pain that this, that this community has gone through. And it's, you know, it's not any, any industry fault. It's the world economics. And, and the fact that we've come from 15,000 people being flying in and out of here, going across to the, going across to the gas plants and that sort of thing at uh, the LNG on Curtis Island. And they're all gone. But, um, there's also the companies that supported that have all moved on as well. So and they were obviously contributing to the likes of us and participating in, in other community groups. But the the confidence and the ability of some people to um Go out and take that leap of faith, so to speak, and back themselves is, is, is quite difficult. So we've been, we were, we had the small business advisory service with us for a few years that Karen Sweeney was running before such time as she'd become tourism manager. But, um, and that, that itself is, is, is actually a real good mechanism for fostering those things and getting things off the ground and and making sure that they're, that they're going to succeed. So, but that went by the wayside three or four years ago. And um, we haven't had that back. So, industry has started to take some of this up. And the likes of the Rio here for business side of things, they've actually created this environment where entrepreneurs can come through and they do their mentoring and they talk with with accountants, they talk with business planners, and then they've got access to money to fund their businesses as well. But how many did I help? Maybe I don't look. I don't really know, and I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are too scared to actually tap into that.
2: And you know what? I think it's really interesting. We're having the conversation today. As you know, I actually own a business in Gladstone, and I ran it. I run it remotely now. I employ staff there. I actually was based there. You're not
3: local I, anymore. Well,
2: I am well, I because I'm, I'm an employer. <laughs> <in>
3: Gladstone. <laughs> Good on you, so okay.
2: Um, and I think that's just a really valid point, you know, in terms of what you're referencing into the mindset of a region or any region around partner or parish, you know, uh, you know, I think, I haven't had any issues in terms of my business growth during the downfall, because we had to look at different ways to actually um, be innovative and to think outside of the box. And that you know we and and I love the partner or parish concept around a collaboration, and it was in that process and and also building social capital, you know, within the region. That's what's so powerful about these regional areas is actually access to social capital. So I think that's a really valid point around mindset. And you know, we've had this conversation with other guests before. You know that. Is that, that, you know, how do you shift that mindset from I can get a $200,000 a year job, which now don't exist, and now I have to go and create my business to and actually work hard for the dollars that I create? How can you get that shift in a town that's actually got that real kind of mentality around it? Because I've experienced that myself.
3: I think it's quite difficult, um, and and uh, but I, in the same token, like we, we identify things here, um, and it and so sometimes it's about, it's about council cutting red tape. Sometimes it's create, it's about us providing or identifying opportunities, not necessarily doing the big gap analysis bull crap or anything like that. It's about seeing where, seeing where there's an opportunity, you know, especially when we're like our focus is obviously tourism and we have did set. We are just zeroed in on, on, on tourism and not, but it's also the other things that, that flow on from it as well. But we are at the, we're at the stage now where we're where we've got this momentum that we're not spinning our wheels anymore. We actually got traction and we're going forward at hundred mile an hour. And Daz is not taking his foot off the pedal, because of the fact that we really want tourism to be a major economic driver within this community, rather than relying totally on industry all the time. Like the industry is is a massive part of our of our world here, but there's a, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, tourism has got to, it's got to play its role because it, it adds um, a livability to the region. It adds an attraction to to live here and stay here and play here. Um, from, from our perspective, you know we can sort of say, well we actually need a, we actually need an operator here that's going to go to the reef. Everybody says, oh, why don't they?" And I said well, probably because they got to have three million bucks, two to buy a boat half a million to set it up, and burn half a million. I said, who wants to do that? Mm. Not many people.
2: In saying that too, but you know, you, I've seen a lot of micro businesses develop into medium businesses, just like yep. what you mentioned before, the Feast on East. And there's a lot of um, mums and dads, but a lot of mums particularly that have created uh, handcrafted products. They sell them to the, and that's how they started their business and they yep. sell it to the tourists coming off the boat. And they've gone, actually, I've got a product that people like. They've got their minimal viable product by testing it. People are buying it. And then they've launched online businesses, which have gone national, if not global. So, you know, you, you know, even just creating tourism to the region, has actually launched some of that
3: economic growth. And I think that's hard to measure, you know? Well, it is, you know. Like in the initial stages, the likes of Feast on East, because Feast on East was quite special because we were actually controlling and it wasn't just any old market because we really wanted the cruise passenger experience to be really good. We didn't want to be hit up with just a normal old flea market or, or a sideshow alley or anything like that. So we had we had 90 spots available And we picked and choose who we want. And I had a couple of people that say, oh, your markets aren't really good. And I'm going, what do you mean? And they say, oh, i not sell selling us. Perhaps you've got nothing that a cruise passenger wants. So it's about adapting to the market as well. So we say, look, why don't you try this? Why don't you try it? So we're helping them out. And if they don't succeed, perhaps this isn't the market for you. So, um, and it's a matter of working in with us, but obviously, yes, Tara, I've seen those people and I've gone, gone in to see them do online stuff and I know two or three of them personally and, they, and they're, they're succeeding, which is, which is wonderful. And then you get the likes of the likes of your BAM and that's sort of beach arts music down on, down at Tannum Sands, which is on this Saturday by the way. But, um, you know, there, there's another, there's one of those other avenues which gets people's products out there and tests an idea. Um, but the likes of, you know, the likes of a, of a person that go wants to have a, a hire shop or something like that, you know, we, we scream out for these sort of things. You know, people to ride bikes, but do they earn enough money? No, they don't, not by themselves. There's other things that are value added as well. So, and we've just got to work on those. But, yeah, we're having the Boyne Valley is a typical example. It's starting from scratch. So and they want to play in the space but don't know how to play. So that's what we're doing, product development and experience development out with them in the next 12 months.
4: If we can maybe play on that point a little bit that you mentioned about the Boyne Valley, which is a beautiful pocket of, or corridor if you like, of of, um, area out just west of, of Gladstone and also go to that notion of wanting to play but not knowing how to. Now I go back to when you were in the Benarrabee Roadhouse and the the ebb and flow of business that you would have had with things like discount airfares coming in and how that impacted the drive market and then how the drive market became um, popular again and the different flow that you had to have there. You did you have any particular mentors at the time coming out of that?
3: Um, yeah, I did. I, I actually I, there was there was one moment in my life where. I, I was nearly at a broken heart because, you know, I'd been in this in this business since 1988 and in 2002, and a lot of people remember it, the Caldex point we were in, in, in a squabble with our neighbours because our business was very successful and it was making too much noise. And we actually, Caldex cut it when the EPA cut our hours. So I'd lost – so we had to close at 10 and then open again at 5. So consequently with all that, you lose all your big fuel pumpers, all your big companies and that sort of thing um, that were relied on you being open 24-7. Now, we lost 30% of our trade and, you know – Oh, I'll be honest, the, the, the day that we locked it up because I didn't have any keys. <laughs> so had, we just backtrack a wee bit. I had the 4CC turn up one day on a Christmas day, you know, and he says, what are you doing here? I said, find some keys and I'll lock it. <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're stupid. You've lost your keys, stupid. So in, in in the end, they created this ad that says, oh, about 15 years ago, a bloke by the name of Daryl bought Keldex Point River and promptly lost the keys. And then this choir <laughs> come on, like, stupid Daryl, stupid Daryl, stupid Daryl <laughs> And it was just bloody gold. but But... But to be honest, those days I had to find some keys and and I I just held my eyes out because it just broke my heart. All this work that I'd done and I felt my whole world had collapsed. So a week later, you dust yourself off and you go, oh, just hang on a second. I I can't feel this miserable forever. I've got to pick myself up. And the only person that can pick yourself up is yourself. Much Mm. as I love my wife and everything like that, she can pat me on the back, but you've still got to go through the whole thing yourself and you've got to have, I suppose, the resilience to, to come come on. So anyway, I was picked up myself and I said, wait a minute, what am, missing? what am I missing out of here? I've got the same roadhouse, the same spot, the same staff, the same food, the same price, and I'm missing eight hours out of my day, you know, and I'm gone. Let's change what we're doing. So we looked at the demographics. How much, how many people were we getting for a thousand liters of diesel versus a thousand liters of, of petrol? So we started focusing on the car market. We started focusing on how quick we could do things and greet things with a smile. We wanted to be a provider of information. So believe it or not, this really started to pick up and it got to a point where I was. It was out of control with its growth again. And I'm going, I don't have the skills to do this. (laughs) Now, here lies a little story because I employed a a business coach that cost me a couple of thousand dollars a month. And I'm going, oh, this is bloody wasted. So anyway, he sat me down and after two months, I said, you're not telling me anything new. What's the new thing? He says, I know all this stuff. He said, but you're not doing it, (laughs) Daryl. And it was the basics of business. And so many of us overthink stuff. So many of us overthink it because the basics of any business, and even in this business here, is the same as the one that you're in. It's the same as the one in the Celtics. The basic, the subjects are different, but the basics of business are still there. So I took all that and used this leverage, this leverage thing, and started leveraging off uniforms, started leveraging off a brand, started leveraging off... Yeah, you know, procedures and and ways of doing things. So I wasn't rethinking things all the time, and then I started actually working on the business and not in the business because I was cook every Sunday with the same four people, the same three people for about fifteen years. You know, loved every minute of it because it was my hands-on thing too. Mm-hmm. And this business really started to flourish and started to flourish in such a way that we got out of an overdraft, paid all our loans off, and. And ended up excelling to the point where we come ended up in the top ten in Australia in the whole Caldex network. And that in itself is that there's eight hundred sites and they're brand new. This is a little shit box on the side of the road. It's, <laughs> it was. it's just a little with five pumps. You know, and people just don't understand that. But we had thirty odd staff and they all owned their job. They all were in power because they all did well. We would have nights out where where I would have um, team meetings or we'd have a um, uh, mystery car drive. Okay. We end up at a Wonga Dam at the calendar out there and we have uh, and a and a, uh, what they call them, um, oh, games gaming night, but any here. So but they're all they all wouldn't shut up one night. So I said, rightio, for a day off a pay cause all these people are casual, a paid day off, I've got a cherry stem here. I want you to all stick it in your gob. And with your tongue and your tongue only, tied in a knot. Well, there was silence for 35 minutes and it was <laughs> <laughs> glorious.
4: Now, that's innovation.
3: Oh, it was <laughs> great. It just shut them all up. But they all had so much fun, you know, and it involved all the supplies. But it was a fun place to work, you know. And we, when we employed their kids so that the kids could be nurtured. and Because the kid doesn't know. When I said, I want you to work out, he doesn't know what hard work is. He doesn't know what that means. You know, and, and, and fr- when they're doing dishes, you know, say, so you do you dishes at home? No, nah, don't get paid at home. No, good, eh? And then you start saying, well, where do you want to go in your life? You know, it's not a roadhouse because I'm with a roadhouse. <laughs> Buy me out if you want. But, but then they start talking about their dreams and their aspirations. So I so say, what do you need to get there? So you start talking pathways because sometimes they don't talk about this with their parents, you know. so And in the end, they, take, they can see which pathway they've got to go. And it's it's pretty cool, you know. We ended up with, with a, a four hat chef. Um, we ended up with young Shelly Shelly Ann Kelly, and she was she come helped me out with the hookup because she wanted to do she wanted to do marketing, you know. And then there was a door open here at the GAPDL, so I didn't push her through it. And no, I said the door's open, and she got the job. And then she ended up becoming the tourism manager here, and then she ended up lecturing at the CQU you know how cool is that to be part of a person's life that's gone on to do that it's very very inspiring and very rewarding
4: what role and how structured is it in the Gladstone region the mentoring and what responsibility to business do business people like yourself have to making sure that the younger business or the startups are are getting the support and mentoring they need
3: look I I think there's a, there's a couple of groups here in town, and, and basically the GCCI, and now we've got the Gladstone Startup. GCCI is the Gladstone Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And then we've got another group called Gladstone Startup, and then you've got this, this here for business that Rio sort of started up. And there's also the programs that we, that we mentor ourselves. But we're actually mentoring a, um, a product that's already there. We're not creating a product. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the ones that evolve out of, the, out of Tara's, you know, the Feast on East, which was, is for, therefore for the cruise ship and the cruise ship only. Those ones we, we help along. And if they want to come and see us, they can like a membership to our organizations, like a gym membership, you know, and if you, you don't pay your, your, your money at the start of the year and, and expect to be. Fitness freak without doing something. So it's about using that membership and about using us. Adam Balkin is a prime example of that. He's used his membership and now he's he's actually a young tourism leader of the state. So and it's a wonderful story that in itself. So we're we're guiding all that along. So now we're using him. He's going to be coming out with us to the Boyne Valley and and telling people how do we get engaged and how it has inspired him. So those sort of those sort of third party notifications or a third party I suppose person that's talking about you it really it really hammers home what you what you're actually doing well from from, from another mentoring side of the things because of our success and where we elevated up and into into other business so what we what we started to do was create a network of food businesses within the Caltex network so then I started mentoring a couple of others um, that, are, that are very similar to what Myle was doing. So, And then we, because we were able to benchmark and we were able to open our books up and say, you know, because uh, I went into One Roadhouse one day and his kids are on the front counter. I'm going, what are your kids doing on the front counter after school? They should be at home. Oh, we can't afford it. I'm going, you're actually turning over more than me. Why, Why? you know, I know you're turning your volumes more than me and you're da-da-da-da. I said, give us a look at your book. So <clears throat> he printed printed a report out and it said 38% GP. He said, oh, that's good, isn't it? I said, well, that's across the categories. And I said, well, actually, no, it's not. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing 51% GP. So it's like going from that 80 mile an hour to 105 mile an hour and then to 110 mile an hour. Those little little percentages actually all add up. In the end, yeah, we, we, we started working with him. And and from that, that, he'll even say to me that day, he said it was the day that I turned a corner and um and I said to him, I said, you just lift this up 10% and you're going to be $17,000 better off that you don't have to have your kids on the front counter and you can be home with them when they come up from school.
2: So segueing that advice to our listeners potentially um, and, you know, reflecting on your experience, not just in creating community projects that create economic value, but also through your own experience in business, what do you think's the best advice that you've ever been given that you think you could share with our listeners?
3: Um, I, I would say... Try not to compromise your integrity to start off with. <laughs> and the next thing is
4: I like how you say that with a laugh. Oh well <laughs>
3: <laughs> I've been drunk a few times, don't you worry about that.
4: No, <laughs> oh, jazz and Shiraz. That's all <laughs> I need to say.
3: <laughs> I think the the best thing that I've that I've ever heard was Keep it simple (laughs) because we're so much overthinking things, you know, and, and preparation produces great product, you know, it's all about the preparation. When you're making a cake, it's all about the preparation because the end product reflects your preparation. You know, it's, it's, it's what goes into that mix and it's how it's nurtured and everything like that. And it's your team, it's your brand, it's the, it's the homework that you do and you do it with a bit of passion because at the end of the day for a small business operator, the only self-gratification you get is that bank balance going up in the right direction. It's no, you can have many people slapping on the back. I had that for years. and never made a cent in that roadhouse. And it wasn't until the last five years after I got my coaching that I actually started making money and good money. And then I started mentoring people and, and sharing that.
2: So there's a good piece of advice there. Get out of your own way and listen to the coach's advice. If you're going to pay $2,000 for it, you might actually take advantage of it. Exactly right. But the other thing I just want to point out there is that this is
4: the first time that we've talked about cold, hard cash being a motivator. Let's face it. We all have to pay the bills. We all want to be better off. Cash is a tremendous. That bank balance is a huge motivator. We don't know do for I, I think that's fantastic that you've actually fessed up to that. And you've heard it here first on Project <laughs> League. (laughs) It
2: is about the money.
4: And we're
3: control freaks.
2: No, and autonomy and freedom, you know. Absolutely, but we've said all that. You cannot leverage your salary. salary. You cannot leverage your salary.
4: I know that, but I will just say that we've said all that a hundred times before. We've done all the, you know, hand on heart good stuff that makes us all feel good, but it is about the money and you do have to be mindful of that. And
2: leverage. And yeah. leverage. you can. You can't. Leverage, you can't leverage a two hundred thousand dollars salary. You can just buy more toys. You can leverage from a wealth and a flexibility and a way of living yeah. lifestyle. Being oh, an entrepreneur,
3: Ginny didn't want to exactly. leave. Ginny didn't want to leave the roadhouse. Neither did I. I never paid for <laughs> fuel in my life. <laughs> Even the trips to the reef, Afterwards, I was making people pay the way because I had to pay for the fuel. But <laughs> you know, and it, it's it's the things. It's a financial. It's not the financial freedom. It's, it's the fact that you're master and commander of your own destiny. Exactly. No one in business wants to follow somebody else. You don't want to, you don't want to follow on someone else's wake. You want to make your, make your own waves, you know. And, and I, was, I was following, but I was following the wrong people. Until you actually cut those chains, as Tara said, and back yourself and actually work on your business, not in your business, It's it it's it's quite a difficult thing to get around because in a small business you are jack of all trades, Hmm. but you've got to spend that time and and working on your business. It's so so important, and there's so many tools out there now that you can make things easier. There's 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 the accountancy tools. There's the there's the there's the mentoring that's out there that because someone's already been there, done that.
2: Actually, on, on that note, um, you know, as, as I said, we work with, I work with entrepreneurs in regional areas a lot, and one of the comments that they find as a challenge in this space is that there's too much information. They're not sure where to start. There's actually mm. too many tools and too much information, and they actually just want someone to say, this is the tool you have to use, you know. And mm. I, But I actually think entrepreneurship's about that exploration, figuring yeah. out what works and being having that mindset to be curious, yeah. Yep.
3: and making mistakes. You know, too many too many times do I see my wife telling my boys how to do their thinking. Mm. And I said, leave them, make let them make a mistake, let them lose a feed. You know, it's yeah. so important that they actually do that because well, so we did it. Mm. We made mistakes, we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, but we're all together and we're all happy. That's
4: the main thing. Oh so, yeah. I- and the money. Sorry, Tara, I just sent that off the for you. <laughs> now, look, we are going to have to wrap up, but one question that we always ask our, um, our interviewees, and thank you for coming on again today, but um, if, if you could write a letter to your, let's say you were 28 when you went into the roadhouse, your 26-year-old self, what would, it, what would you say to yourself?
3: Well, don't be such a no. <laughs> wow,
4: that's honest.
3: Yeah, look, honestly, I thought I honey, knew everything, eh, you know? And I was going to change the world and do all these things, and you can't, you can't. And you can only influence the things that come out of your mouth and the actions that you take. You can't, you, you can't control somebody else's actions. You can't control what they say, read or write. You can only control what comes out of your gob. And the way that you behave and it's all about walking tall and conducting yourself with integrity.
4: Listeners, again, I think there's some great advice. There always is with our, you know, with our great, um, our great guests on this podcast and, um, Thank you, Daryl Braithwaite—not Daryl Braithwaite. Um, <laughs> That's the way it's going to be, <laughs> should, little darling. I think we should ju- we,
2: we should get... <laughs> Go ride
3: the horses, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I think there was it was an absolute goldmine in that, as it always is, and I absolutely love at the end of every interview, um, you know, putting my little quotes and apostrophes from things that have been said by people and, and sharing them on our page. But the three that I got um, was which is, is you know I think comes out of a lot of our interviews with um, regional guests and innovators. Meredith, this is part partner will perish. You know, collaboration is the absolute key. And even from a product development perspective and a market perspective, I think that that's, um, you know, a really hardcore thing that if you aren't doing it and you're in a regional area and you're trying to grow and expand and get some market share, you need to actually collaborate. And sometimes it could be with even with your competitors. And I've seen successful collaborations occur with competitors. Um, I love the quote, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, you're a master and commander of your own destiny. To be honest with you, that's why we're in it. Obviously, mm-hmm. for the money as well, but that is, you know, the complete autonomy and freedom. And coming from being a fisher fishing widow myself, <laughs> I absolutely love the cracker that. And I didn't know this, and I've now you've taught me something new, Daryl, that fishing spreads the economic love across the region. It does. And I feel completely um, justified in the fact that now I'm a fishing widow, that my husband is contributing to the economic love of the region when he's fishing. Good, (laughs)
4: good. He is contributing to the economic love of the region. And uh, I, I think just the diversity of your career and what you've done and Moreover, what you've contributed back to a regional centre like Gladstone and the leadership you've shown um, is is just tremendous. So, oh, thank you. So, again, thanks to Daryl Branthwaite for his insights. And uh, look, the the one thing, and this comes from my media background, I guess I love the keep it simple because it it really does apply to every facet of our lives. And we overthink just about everything. And in business, that can be your undoing very quickly. And being a cake cooker, I love to <laughs> you know cook my cakes. I love the preparation creates great product. And that is so true. And if you overcook anything, it is ruined and you don't want to do that. So lovely pearls of wisdom, Daryl. Thank you. Now, um, listeners thank you for your time today again project leap um, look you're all our doers we're, we're so grateful for your support. Uh, if you know of someone who you think would be a great interviewee uh, someone that we could have a chat to on the on the podcast please let us know via our Facebook page. Uh, once again thank you to our partners and sponsors a thousand invisible threads. Amanda Power Digital, iScribe Consulting, Kaizen Media and Purple Wax. Without you guys, we wouldn't exist. Thank you very much to Tara for the engaging banter as always. And uh, as we always say in a very corny fashion at the end of our podcast, take the leap. Take
2: the leap.
0: Well, that's it for another program. Join Meredith Pappas and Tara Jacobson-Nevin for their next episode via your favourite podcast platform. And stay in touch with the stories of people making great things happen in and around the regional, rural and remote regions of Australia. If you have a story to tell, if you are a doer or know someone who is, someone who's making a difference as an innovator or entrepreneur in the sticks, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us via our Project Leap social platforms on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And be sure to catch every past episode and some great background on our guests at our website, project-leap.com.au. In the meantime, though, thanks for being a part of the Project Leap journey. And we'll catch you next time.